Amen and amen. Well, praise God. Um, God. God gave me this message for y'all this morning. I had a, another one or two messages that, that was on my heart and just didn't have that peace that that was what God, it was the word of God, of course, whatever I speak is going to be from the Bible, but just didn't have a peace that that's what God wanted, wanted to, me to say, at least not, not this morning. And, um, but, you know, um, you look at the Bible and there's a lot of different things the Bible does, you know, and it, it can encourage us, it can rebuke us, or, or it can correct us. You know, there's, there's all those things that the Word of God does. And if you think about it, which one of those would you prefer? Would you prefer encouragement, rebuke, or correction? Uh, I want the encouragement. But sometimes there's encouragement and rebuke <laughs> or correction. And um, the Bible says in Hebrews, and this is not on the screen, it says, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. So if God didn't love us, just like the words the Bible said, gives the analogy of a father and a son, why do we, why do we correct our children? Well, we love them. We want to guide them. We want to protect them. We want them to be blessed and to be, to be fulfilled. But, but you can take a deep breath this morning and relax. I've chosen to encourage you this morning. And um, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. The Bible commands us to not forsake the assembly or the meeting of ourselves together. And why, why do we gather together? Why, why, do we, why do we come together? Why do we come together this morning? Well, we worship, we worship God. That's, to me, that's the biggest thing. I don't know about you as a Christian, but... But for me, the, the, the biggest thing I do when we come into this house is I'm going to worship God. I don't care what, it, what I'm going through. Like Antoine said, put your feelings aside. Having a bad day, bad week, bad finances, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change who God is. So the first thing we're going to do, and it is the first thing we do when we come into God's house, when we come into God's presence, is we're going to, we're going to worship God. We're going to, we're going to exalt him. But... But there's more to it than just that. And, and we know Jesus instituted the church. He, 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 he was the author and perfecter of the church. He built the church. And um, when you read the book of Acts, you see that the church, they gathered together. The church gathered together. And I was sharing with some, some people in the forward this morning. The, the, the early church actually met in houses. The Bible says they met from house to house. So really... That tells me that the church is not a building, it's, it's not a sanctuary, it's not an auditorium. The church is wherever the people gather, that are like-minded in Christ, have accepted Christ as Lord, that, that believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come together, that's a church. But what do we do when we come together? We encourage one another. We build one another up. That, that can't happen if you're not if you're not gathering together, and y'all know how I felt about the pandemic and the, the online services and all of that, I'm not saying that, that social media doesn't play a part. You know, we're, we're filming this now live on Facebook, and I notice people that, that can't get out, that maybe can't get to a place of worship, but, but the online social media and all those different things will never be a substitute for gathering together. It, it can never replace me touching you and hugging you and speaking to you and building you up, those things can never happen. 
And, and the Bible really, in Hebrews, that's a, that, that, was a, that was a command that the Lord gave us to do not forsake. And do not forsake the assembling of ourselves to gather together and to, and to worship. So, so we need to encourage one another. Last week I, and I shared the message, fighting the good fight, you know, keep fighting the good fight. And that's why we need to be encouraged. We're in a battle. That, if you don't know that, then you're not serving God. But, but you're in a battle. There's a war that's, that's raging. There's a lot of wars raging right now, but the biggest war that rages in the world today is a war against God's church. As soon as you stand up and say, I follow Christ, the devil don't care if you're religious. He doesn't care about that. But as soon as you stand up and say, I confess Jesus as Lord, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord. Then the world is against you. There, what does the Bible say? We're in an anti-Christ world. They're anti-Christ. So that's why we need to be encouraged. So every time we meet, we encourage one another. We, we encourage one another here in our worship service. We, we have Monday night prayer. I'm encouraged. That there might be just a handful of people that come on Monday nights. I'm encouraged. I'm like, somebody stopped their day. They stopped their evening, their plans, or whatever it was. And they said, you know what? i got to get to God's house, and i got to... Get with the other brothers and sisters, and we gotta pray. We gotta pray. I, I mean, that encourages me that someone else, that someone came to pray. The life groups, that 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 to me is the biggest place where we where we receive encouragement. That we come together, brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, and we. You got, I would like to say that's where you get your feet washed. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amen. 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 And that, that's where we what? We, we build relationships. And maybe all of a sudden, you know, we let our guard down a little bit inside of a life group and the guys are sharing and the girls are sharing. And all of a sudden, a guy or a lady shares something that they're going through and it's something that you were dealing with. And not that you were glad that that person was struggling, but you're glad you're encouraged to know that you weren't alone. That somebody else is dealing with something like that, too. And then what we do, we, we, we can, okay, we're going to build one another up. We're going to lay hands. We're going to pray. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna encourage one another. So, so that's a big thing. And then when we do our men's events, our women's events, the women are fixing to have a, a, a women's luncheon. The men just met uh, last week for, for, for our, our breakfast with, with Pastor Anthony. And um, so we, we encourage one another. So we remind one another of who the Lord says that I am. And, uh, you know, in the world, we are constantly being told that we are insignificant, we're irrelevant, we're holy rollers, and we're Jesus freaks. And, and the world just keeps coming against us with those things. And, and when, when we continue to hear those words, words of doubt can, be, can begin to rise up. And, and, and we can begin to think, well, maybe I didn't make the right decision. Maybe I went the wrong way. Maybe Jesus was, was, really wasn't the right, right choice. Maybe you begin to think that you wasted your life following Jesus because the world is just constantly coming against everything that you stand for in Jesus Christ. But that's not what the Word of God tells me. That's not what the Word of God says. In 1 Peter uh, 3.12 it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The Bible tells me that God's eyes are on me because I have accepted His Son, Jesus Christ. That's a good thing. 
That might not be what the world's telling you. The, the world might tell you that you're, you're, you're nuts and you're crazy and all those different things. Yeah, I'm a nut. I'm a nut for Jesus. I'm a, I'm a nut for Jesus. That, that's a good thing. But the Bible tells us the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Really against those who have rejected Jesus Christ, who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. See, we, we are God's people. The church should not walk around as the underdog, as woe is me and insignificant and, and unimportant and all those different things. That we, we are the people of God, the Bible says. We are God's people, the Bible says, on the earth. We should hold our heads up high, rejoice and be glad of who we are in Christ. That's why we sing and shout in this place. We, we sing and shout because of who God is, but we also sing and shout, why? Because of what God has done for me. He sent his son to die. Jesus Christ died for me. And, and, I, and I have received that. I, I have received what God, what, what God has done for me. See, the Bible says in Psalms, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. That's something, that, that's, that's something to get excited about. God lifted us up out of the miry clay. What's that? Out of the, the confusion and the sin and the chaos of our world. And did what? He set my feet on a solid rock. What's the rock? The rock is Jesus. <laughs> I'm, on a, I'm, on, I'm on solid ground. See, see we are the people of God. That, that's what I titled the message today. The people of God. We, we should rejoice that we are, we are the people of God. See, when you accepted Jesus Christ, you made the best decision you could ever make. There's no better decision you could ever make. I tell my kids that all the time. I got my two, two, my two sons are here, Lee and Joshua. And I, I, don't, I told them this. I don't care what education you get, what degree you get. I don't care what your vocation is. As long as you're working, you're productive in the society. I don't care what, what it is. But this is one thing I care about. That you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you've done that, then you've pleased your father. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm content. That, that's what makes me satisfied, is to know that my children have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. See, when you, when, when you accept Jesus, now my life, I have light. I, I, got, I, got, I got discernment. I got wisdom. I got direction. I, I got understanding. I I got the ability to see through all the fog and all the chaos of all of this nut stuff that's happening in our world today. I can see clearly because I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And the Holy Spirit gives me the ability to walk with clarity and wisdom. God, see, God, when you accept Jesus, God turns your life around. God turns your life around. And I'm going to ask my wife to come up here. or She doesn't know that she was coming up. But see, Lori... <laughs> She gave her life to Jesus Christ. And I was blessed because it happened right before we met. Maybe God realized I wasn't going to be able to handle the old Lori. I don't know. But I got to bless Lori. And I'm telling you, Lori, Lori made a commitment. And once she decides to do something, there ain't no turning back. It's like it's in cement. And she made a decision, I'm going after God. I got my two kids. I got Lee, my oldest son, and my oldest daughter, Michelle. I got my two kids, and guess what? 
We're going after Jesus. And I, and I can tell you, we've been married 31 years, and guess what? We're blessed. We, we, we walk in. We walk, we, we're not perfect. We're not perfect by any means. But I can tell you, we got the light. We got the discernment. We got wisdom. We got truth. We got joy. We got the blessings of God. Why? Because we accepted Jesus Christ. We accepted Jesus Christ. That's a decision that, that, that Lori made. And her life is blessed. Amen. Yes. Yes. See, I tell people when they receive Christ, that's the most important decision you will ever make. But it's also the best decision you'll ever make. There'll never be a better decision that you could ever make. See, it shows that you are wise, that you are obedient, that you are humble, and that you are broken. That you are willing to humble yourself before God, confess before God that, guess what? I need help. I need a rescue. That, that I know that David, if David keeps living a life that David wants to live, it ain't going to end good. But if I give my life to Jesus, it's going it's, it's to be blessed. And I can tell you, it's been, it's been blessed. So, so the Lord would tell me to tell the church today to be encouraged today. That you, you, you're on the right road. You're not on the wrong road. You, you picked the right road. What, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate that leads to life, but what broad is the road that leads to, that leads to destruction? And many, so, so see, as a Christian, it's, it's hard for, it, it's, it's tempting some, sometimes for us to think we're on the wrong road because the narrow road can be a lonely road. It's a, it's a difficult road. It's not easy. It's demanding. It's, 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 it's narrow when you, when you walk that road. But I'm here to tell you, you're on the right road. You haven't made the wrong choice. Let the world go where the world wants to go. Let, let them follow, follow the way they want to go. You've made the right choice to get on the narrow road. And you, you've walked through the gate whose name is Jesus. See, the Lord would tell, t- say this to you. Maintain your lane. Maintain your lane. I say that when I'm driving sometimes. I'm not the best driver out there. I don't know who was it. Rachel, I think, was Lori was telling Rachel when they were on one of y'all's, uh, when y'all went to uh, Indiana. I could be terrible when I'm driving, but when I'm driving, I, I'm watching what everybody else is doing. And I'm checking you out, and I'm like, leave me alone. And like, look, and I, I'll, I'll see somebody coming up, and they're trying to get in front of me. You know what I say to myself out loud? I'll say, maintain your lane. <laughs> Don't try to get in front of me. I'm doing the speed limit. Leave me alone. Amen. The Lord would tell you that today. Maintain your lane. <clears throat> it's lonely. Some of you have family. Some of you might have family that's against you. You might have coworkers. They make fun of you. They sneer at you. They... You know, you don't talk the way they talk. You don't look at the things they look at. You don't go to the places they go to. You must be some kind of freak. Yeah, I'm a Jesus freak. Maintain your lane. You're on the right road. It's narrow, but, it, but, it's, but it's the right road. See, allow the word of God, the truth, to build you up and spur you on. Remain steadfast and connected to the body. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in uh, Peter's first letter, and I believe it's a, uh, it's a fitting word to encourage us today. And we're going to look at this uh, passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. It's verses 9 and 10. But before that, you know, if you look at, um, a lot of times it's kind of interesting to see the way the writers in the New Testament open up their letters. And, and I've said this to the church before. It's important for us to understand when you read a letter in the New Testament, though it's written to a church or to a person, you know, Paul wrote letters to Timothy and all these different letters, they're written to, to God's people. Right. 
So it's as if God was writing this letter or this passage to the Tabernacle Church in Covington. But Peter opens up the letter and he says, to God's elect, strangers in the world, for obedience to Jesus Christ. To God's elect. And we're going to look at that. But I like that. He said strangers in the world. They were considered strangers in the world 2,000 years ago. We're considered strangers in the world today. That's what God's church is. We're, we're considered, we're, we're ostracized. We're considered, we're considered strangers. But that's what the Bible says that we are. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. See, this is why the word of God is so valuable. It cuts right through the lies and schemes of the enemy and the world. This isn't what the world says. The world's not telling me this. But this is what God says. So what do I do? I shut the world off. I pick up the Bible and I say, God, what do you say? This is what, this is what God says. See, you, you, are not, you are important. You are not wasting your life. You are not a religious fanatic. You are, you are living the truth and you are on the right road. In Psalms 139, and look, look how what, the way that Peter says this, and I love this about this passage, and even in the Bible it says, it says, but you. It says, but you are. There was that it, the, the Bible makes the word of God personal to you and me. It's not like it's just speaking to the world. Peter said, but you. That's you. That's, that's Peter speaking to me. And we know the scripture in Psalm 139. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, the first thing we need to see is you are a unique creation of God. You are a unique creation of God. See, notice the personal connection this passage gives. You are, it says, for you created my inmost being, my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Yes. See, God created every one of us unique and special. There's, a, there's, there's something in the, the design of your creation in you that makes you who you are. You are unique. Your personality, your disposition, the way you smile, the way you laugh, the way you see things, the Everything about you is unique. The Bible, the Bible says God knit us together individually and personally in our mother's womb. See, that gives me value. That makes me understand that I am not just, just one of billions of people on the planet, but I am unique and special in God's eyes that God created me the way I am. And, you know, I thought about this when I read this scripture. We share this with, when we talk about pro-life and and, and, the, and the abortion movement, imagine all the unique creations that were destroyed in the wombs of mothers because of abortion. All of those beautiful creations, those designs that God had, those, those sons and daughters, the, the, the giftings. Imagine my wife and I talk about this all the time, that maybe they, had the, maybe they had the cure for cancer. Maybe it was an unbelievable gift of music or singing. Or Imagine all the, the, the things that we squashed in the womb 
by taking those lives before they were even given birth. But see, God's fixing to get the final word on that. And I believe that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned in Jesus' name. And that's going to happen. And God gave me a word Monday night when we were praying that those babies that are going to be saved, they're going to be voices for God. They're going to be speakers of truth for Jesus Christ. That, that the devil tried to destroy their lives, but God's going to preserve their lives that they might glorify and worship him and give honor and glory to Jesus. Every life is special. Every creation that God has created, we are unique and special in God's eyes. See, don't try to be someone else. This is especially true for young people. You need to tell your children that. Don't try to be someone else. Be who it is God created you to be. And you want to please God? You know how you please God the most? Be the best you can be for God. Don't try to say, well, and I did this even as a young Christian. You know, I was enamored by, by certain preachers and certain, you know, speakers and different things. And, and I would always be, I would never really try to be like them. But in my mind, I would say, I wish I was. <laughs> or if I could, you know, speak like them or whatever, those kind of things. And God just sat me down and said, you know, be, be who I created you to be. Be the best you can be. That, that, that's all it is that God, that, that God expects us. And then, you will, then you, will, you will be pleasing to God and to others if you do this. <clears throat> but Peter said, look what Peter said in, in uh, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation. See, the first thing we see to be encouraged today is you were chosen. You were chosen. That, that makes me feel special. It says you are a chosen generation. Who is Peter writing to? He's writing to the church. Peter's writing to you and me. See, we are chosen by God. That phrase alone should encourage us. That, that should build us up. I've said this before. The New Testament church is a mirror of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. It, it, it's almost like the two, they, they, mirror, they mirror one another. They're, they're different, but then they're, they're, so like, they're so alike in so many significant ways that you have to really pay attention to that when you read the Old Testament and you read the New Testament. See, Israel in the Old Testament was God's people on the earth. They, they represented who God was. They, 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 they got together with God's covenant and they said that I'm going to follow God, I'm going to obey your laws, I'm going to obey your word. And the Lord said, you will now be my people. And God promised that he would bless them and he would reward them for, for following them and obeying, obeying the word of God. We are God's people on the earth today as the church. Does that make us better than other people? No, but it makes us blessed and favored. Amen. We're blessed and favored of God. The Greek word for chosen generation actually means a chosen or elect race. It's like God was, was creating another race, another race of people. And this was taken from Isaiah in the Old Testament in Isaiah 43. It says, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. The Lord was talking about the nation of Israel. But the Lord, the Lord formed the nation of Israel. And you know, I think about this all the time when I think of the Jews that that have rejected Jesus, they, if they would just go back and look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, they would find out that Jesus came from the lineage of Abraham. And how did, how did the nation of Israel start? Sarah's womb was barren. She was almost 100 years old, and the Lord said, you are going to have a son, and I'm going to birth him you a mighty nation. They had Isaac. 
And, and, because, and, Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Jacob, Jacob was chosen. And what was Jacob's name turned to, changed to? Israel. Thus you have the nation of Israel. God birthed that nation. How was the nation or the, the nation of Christians birthed? By Jesus Christ. But see, Jesus wasn't from earth. He was from heaven. See, we're not connected. We're not connected to man. We're connected to God. See, it's a spiritual birth. It's, 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 see, now the, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament was more of a physical nation. It was a, it was a, it was a physical nation. Well, what's the nation in the New Testament? It's spiritual. We're born again by the Spirit of God. How do we become part of the nation of God in the New Testament as Christians? By the cross. We've got to go through the cross. We accept Jesus. We're born again. We, we, we acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. We, we, we accept who Jesus Christ is, and we, 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 we are now, we are born again. See, we are, as Israel, God's chosen people. That, 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 that's who we are. We're the people of God. But this gives us no place for boasting, for who we are is because of what Christ has done in us. We don't boast. We're not better than the person that hasn't accepted Christ. I'm just blessed and favored of God. I'm born again. I got eternal life. Doesn't mean I'm better. If I was better, then it would mean I would have to earn my salvation, and I didn't. It was, it was by grace. That, that, that's what the Bible says. We are a chosen generation because of our confession and faith in Jesus Christ. So we walk not in pride, but in rejoicing that God has chosen us. And we have, we have accepted the call. We, we, have, we have answered the call of salvation. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you become a part of the family of God. Amen. That's something to be encouraged about. Yeah. See, we're, we're the people of God. Just like the nation of Israel, when Israel remained in obedience to God, everything Israel did was blessed. There wasn't a kingdom, there wasn't a king, there wasn't a people that they couldn't conquer. Didn't matter if the people that they were up against was greater and stronger than they were. They had God on their side. We've got Jesus Christ on our side. We are the people of God. We need to be encouraged. I came across this commentary on this passage in Peter when I was studying for this, and listen to what this says. I thought it was so appropriate. It says, know who you are. You are not a people who stumble over Christ, a people who question his claims and deity and refuse to believe him. You are a people who believe Christ, a people who are building your lives upon the foundation stone of God's Son. You have taken your lives and laid them upon him. You have entrusted your whole being into the keeping of Christ. Therefore, know who you are. You are the people of God, the people he is building to live the people he is building to live with him forever and ever. So God would say that to his church today, know who you are. Walk upright. Walk with your head lifted high. Walk with your consonants lifted high. Walk with your demeanor and your joy. Let there be a pep in your step. Let there be enthusiasm. Why? Because you are a child of God. You have been born again. We have been resurrected, the Bible says. The, the Holy Spirit has come and resurrected new life inside of us. You were born again by the Spirit of God. And now the Bible says you are the people of God. Think about that, church. When God looks down on the earth, He sees the whole earth, but we are, as Israel was, His treasured possession. 
We are the people of God. That's something to be encouraged about. Know who you are. Walk as a child of God. Talk as a child of God. Operate in the authority that you have been given. And just like Antoine was sharing, doesn't always feel like you're that. Doesn't always sound right. That's who you are. Operate in who you are. See, as you live in your life, constantly remind yourself, I am chosen. In Christ, I am the people of God. I have discernment, wisdom, joy, life, freedom. All the benefits, all the blessings that God has given us are in Christ. That's something to dance about. That's something to jump about, to lift your hands up, to get excited about. And if you don't feel the urge to get excited, then maybe you've got to go rediscover what it is you've done with Christ. Right. Go back. Trace your steps back. God, what, did, what, what happened, Lord? What, 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 where, where am I at with this relationship with you, God? And then what does the Bible say? Start fanning those flames. Fan the flames. Fan the flames. You've got to fan the flames. We, we're going to fan the flames in here. We do that on Sunday mornings. We're going to do that on Life Group. We're going to do that. But sometimes, sometimes Paul, told Tim, Peter, Paul told Timothy, you fan the flames. You've got to fan the flames in your life. How do I? I'm fanning the flames right now by doing what? By reading what the Word of God says. I'm just enforcing truth. I'm just injecting the truth of what the Word of God says this morning. This is what the Bible says. You say, well, I don't feel that. I don't understand that. It doesn't matter. That's what the Bible says. It's the truth. That's what the Word of God says. Then in verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. So the next thing we see here is you are set apart. God, God has set us apart. It says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That's a lot of good stuff that God tells us. It comes with a responsibility, but it's our position in Christ. None of these things will be possible on my own. They're only made available because of who I am in Jesus Christ. See, in the Old Testament, the priests were dedicated unto God. They, they, they were set apart, the Bible says, unto God. Now the Bible calls us, as Christians, royal priests. Set apart unto God. To glorify God. To glorify God with our words. To glorify God with our bodies, with our actions, with the way we live, the things we do. We are royal priests. That's a, that's a burden. That, that's not a burden, but that's a, that's a responsibility. But that's who we are. So we can go before the presence of God day and night, seven days a week. We have fellowship and communion with God because of Jesus Christ. We are royal priests now. See, the priest, the high priest, the Bible says in the Old Testament, would go before the Lord once a year. But now the Bible says, look what it says in Hebrews. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now the Bible says I can approach the throne of grace boldly because of Christ. See, that's why we should never think of prayer as a burden. It's a privilege. We, we, there's still some religions that say you've got to go through a man to communicate to God. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus is my mediator. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. Jesus is not me. So guess what I do? I go boldly to the throne. 
I, I, approach, I, I, I approach God because of Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a blessing. See, do you, go, do you go before God boldly? Are you timid? We should, be, we should approach God with reverence. There's a reverence before God. There's a, there's a fear. God's God doesn't change who God is. But there's also a boldness. And then the Bible says we cry out to him what? As a son would do to a father, Abba, Father. Or, which means daddy. See, that's that intimate. See, the world tries to make it look like God's distant. God's up here and you're down here. No, I'm down here and God's right here. He's daddy. He's right, he's right here with us, amen? See, you, you are a royal priesthood. You belong to God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You say, I don't feel like that. It doesn't matter. That's who you are. Know who you are. Don't really feel like that? Get the word of God. Open up the Bible. Just, just open up the Bible and say, God, begin to speak to my spirit. Speak to my heart, God. Begin to, begin to reinforce who I am in Christ, Father. Tell me all these things because in the world I'm being bombarded with all of these negative thoughts, all these negative things. The world keeps telling me, God, tell me who I am, God. So I can know who I am. See, we're a holy nation. See, we're, a, we're, a, we're a, an elect, we're, we're a race. We're, we're set apart. God's church, we're the kingdom of God on the earth. God's people, God's kingdom, God's representatives. We're ambassadors, as the Bible says. A holy nation. See, we come out of sin and darkness. That's why we are different and peculiar. That's why the world thinks we're strange. Because we don't go the way they go. I'm not going on the wide road. I, I, I'm finding as a Christian, the road's very narrow. A lot of people can get on the road. It, it's not narrow in the sense it's limited. It's narrow in the sense of the way you live. There's only one way. His name is Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, that's the blessed road. Jesus said the wide road does what? It leads to destruction. But what does the narrow road lead to? It leads to life. The road that leads to life, that's the one I want to be on. I don't care how narrow it is. That's the road that you want to be on. First Peter chapter 1 says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And I like what that says. Don't slip back. Don't go back. We're, we're going forward with Christ. We're, we're, live, we're living for Christ. See, see we're his own. We're, the Bible says we're his special people. We're his special possession. I love that. Some translations say, say peculiar people. And the, the, the Greek for that when it, peculiar people means a people for God's own possession. See, and the Bible tells us that when you come to Christ, your, your life is no longer your own. Did, did you know that? You've been bought with the price, the Bible says, the blood of Christ. You, you surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ when you, when you were saved. So we are precious, we are valuable, we have worth, and we have meaning. So if someone ever looks at you and says, you know what, you're peculiar. Say, so you know what? You're right. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. I'm different. 
you, you, should, you should look different. You, even if someone doesn't tell you you're different, you should seem different. And, and I, I can almost spot a Christian in public. Just, just by there, there's a, there's a peace. There's a uh, contentment. There's a joy. There's, a, there's just a, the, the love of Jesus. There's just something about that. And you just connect with those people, right? Because you have that same spirit. And it's just, you got, you got Christ. We should, be, we should be so different that we're attractive. Amen. That people want to know why. Well, how can you do this? There's, you know, gas, gas could get higher, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean I don't have joy. The price of the pump doesn't change my joy. That's happiness. That's how you define happiness, what the gas pump says. That's not my definition of joy. My, defini my definition of joy is who the Lord is. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So we are not at the bottom. We're at the top. <laughs> we are walking in the fullness and the blessing of the Lord Jesus. Be encouraged today. You are created. You are unique. You were chosen. You were set apart unto God. Amen. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this as I close and have Ray. Um, well, actually, um, let's see, Eli, you have that song? Are you going to sing that song? No. You can still play. Let, after you play that song, Eli, you have other songs you can play behind that? Thank you. You can go ahead and play that as I'm reading this. It'll be fun. I appreciate uh, Eli and Ruby back there. I, I've said this before. Um, Y'all don't realize there's a lot, you know, downstairs up here. A lot of things are going on behind the scenes to make all of this happen. It doesn't just be like you walk in the room and this stuff just takes place. It, it, somebody prepared and did this, and they're willing to sacrifice sitting back there and, and doing this. So, um, But Romans 8, um, 31 to 39... Antoine, you're going to like this song if you haven't already heard it. It says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for, for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on. That's what the Bible says. So next time you start feeling down, open up your, your Bible and read Romans chapter 8. Who, who, shall be, who can be against us if God is for us? Come on, God, God is with us. We are the people of God. That is who we are. It's time for the church to start walking in that fullness, walking in that, in that joy, in that hope.
and that peace and all the things that God has given us. God, God, God is awesome. God is so good to us. Amen. Stand to your feet, please.